wanted to share a little bit with you tonight about worship and what that really looks like. You know, as you might have noticed, we enjoy worship here. Hallelujah. And worship is not for us, isn't a warm-up for the main event. It is the main event in that it's our opportunity to love on Jesus. I myself, I was converted in worship on a, on a camp, a youth camp. I was only 12 years old. Everyone was worshiping. I knew about this. I'd been along to Sunday school for years and, you know, they raise their hands and we sing and we worship. I believed in God. Yes, I believed in Jesus. But as they were all lifting up their hands and worshiping and singing and closing their eyes, I just got really real with God and said, Lord, look, I believe in you, but I can't see you and I don't know you. And it's really hard to do this with someone I can't see and I don't know help and you know right there in the middle of the worship as I said help he helped me he came he made himself real to me in a way that just has never ever left me and that I was converted where Peter would say you are the Christ and Jesus said flesh and blood has not revealed this to you but my father in heaven I'm like that's what happened for me. He revealed himself to me. He made himself real. And I have never backslid since. I just, that was it. Boom. <laughs> and God then took me on the journey of showing me more and more about who he was and, and who I was. Hallelujah. And you can read about those journeys in my books. Hallelujah. Sometimes I go for coffee with people. They say, tell me about your life. And I'm like, <sighs> It's a long story. Yeah, I have a couple of books. Praise the Lord. First and second book will, will do my life journey up to now. Hallelujah. Um, but it's a wonderful thing the way that the Lord leads us, isn't it? But in that place of worship, I be, you know, when we're having our worship times, I believe the Lord is able to do far more than just get us in the right frame of mind to hear the sermon. It's our opportunity to be connecting with God, to be receiving instruction, to hear his voice, to embrace him and be embraced by him, to have the deepest needs and the deepest cries of our hearts satisfied. Hallelujah. Oh. The scripture says, in his presence, there is fullness of joy, absolute joy. Oh, that's the NET, absolute joy, absolute joy. There's like no room for anything but joy. Ah. And that joy is our strength. It's that place that you come out and your eyes are shining. I went to the hairdresser this afternoon and I went the last time I'd gone, I, I, they said, oh, you're, you're sh you, you, you just, you shine. And I walked in this time, you're still shining, they said. And I got to talk to them a little bit about the love of God. And, but it's the truth. When you live in a place where you have learned how to access what you need more than anything else, it will become your life where y you look at him and then he makes his face shine on you and then everybody else you look at gets to see him through you. Hallelujah. And in that place of worship, we get, he comes and he just undoes the knots. All the issues and the things as we look on him as we see him everything becomes clear and we come into perspective hallelujah 
And for me, he just undoes the knots. He makes me lie down in green pastures and he restores my soul. My soul is super sensitive. I am just like, I am just a super sensitive person. Anybody else super sensitive? Like super sensitive. I feel everything. I feel not only my stuff, I feel your stuff. I feel everything. Feel, feel, feel everything. I feel everything. And so my soul is consistently traumatized, <laughs> feeling everybody's stuff. And so I need the presence of the Lord just to undo my knots and restore my soul. You see, then I don't have to live traumatized and continually getting over everything. I, he just comes and he releases his peace and his supernatural joy and his magnificent healing and his peace that passes human understanding. He brings us into a place of absolute joy so that when you go into meetings and when you do things, it's, it's, it's just happy. You're just happy. And God wants to give you that supernatural joy where you live in a place that no matter what's going on, no matter what wind's blowing, the joy of the Lord is your strength. You're unmoved. It's like whatever, huff and puff, whatever. <laughs> he loves me. Oh, how he loves me. Now, there's a scripture I want to share with you. Hallelujah. There's a few scriptures. I love the Bible. He loves the Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. For the love of Christ constraineth us. This is old King James. Because we thus judge that if one died for all, then all, then we're all dead. Hallelujah. For the love of Christ constraineth us. I, I'm using that because it's so powerful. Who, who was here on Sunday and heard Pastor Daniel's message? Good message. Good word, Pastor Daniel. So, so good. But the essence of what he was saying is at the end of the day, what keeps us walking on the narrow path, what keeps us walking in righteousness and holiness is the love of God. The love of God constraineth us. It's a good word in that we are not, we're not walking in righteousness because we have to. We're walking in righteousness because we're in love. We're in love and his love constraineth me. Hallelujah. It keeps me from wanting to do anything that would grieve his heart. Hallelujah. And that love is something that we need to live in, abide in. And worship is such a key to what that looks like. Hallelujah. Living in a place where we are, we're embracing and enjoying um, personal worship, corporate worship, and continuous worship uh, throughout the day. Hallelujah. I'm going to read the same passage, but um, I'm going to read 13 to 21 in the Passion Translation. It says this, uh, and one, one verse earlier, it says this, verse 13. If we are out of our minds in a blissful divine ecstasy, it's for God. But if we are in our right minds, it's for your benefits. Uh, it, in, the, in, the New, in the King James, it would say something like, if we are out of our minds, it is for God. If, if we are, you know, in our right minds, it is for your sake. Hello? Do you know what he's saying here? He's saying that really where we actually live is a place where we don't care what you think. 
<laughs> but if we're pulling ourselves together, it's for your sake. That's what he's saying. But he's talking about a blissful place of extravagant, unrestrained worship. And this is the lifestyle of the happy person. This is the lifestyle of the happy. This is the lifestyle of the ones that will go long term, who will make it and finish well, because unless we live in the joy of his presence, we'll burn out. God's looking for us to finish well, hallelujah, and we'll do that with the oil of joy burning in our hearts, hallelujah. I'm going to read it again just because it's delightful. If we are out of our minds in a blissful divine ecstasy, be it unto me, Jesus. Hallelujah, Meg's already there. It is for God. <sighs> Selah, pause and think about that. <laughs> Do you ever let yourself go there? You see, I struggled. I really struggled with the idea of letting myself go in worship because I'm, I was just not raised that way. I was raised to keep it together. I am a consul's wife. And there are things, you know, there's a, there's a way to behave. And it, it was quite a challenge to me when the Lord started downloading blissful, divine ecstasy. I'd be, I'd be prompted to do wild things like kneel in the middle of worship. It's like, God, you know, like that's a bit, you know, overt. I remember when I was first, he, he first asked me to do that, I was actually conducting the choir. I, I was, I had it together. I, had, I wrote all the four-part harmony. I was a music teacher. Had it all done. We trained it. We're ready. I'm conducting the choir. The Lord says, why don't you kneel? I went, I can't kneel. God, I'm conducting the choir. I could feel him just behind me. Why don't you kneel? I'm like, oh, 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 God. All the people, they're watching me from this side. They're watching me from that side. God, oh, and I did it. And as my knee hit the platform, I was ushered into such blissful, divine ecstasy that I panicked and pulled myself out of it because I was having an encounter where I was seeing the throne room of God. And I, I was absolutely losing control emotionally. And I was like, oh, okay, that's enough. That's enough. Because I felt like Letting yourself go publicly in blissful divine ecstasy is just like, you know, public. God, it's in public. But God seems to like it. I think about David being undignified and just the way he extravagantly worshipped God. We talk, he talks now about, we, we read about the key of David. David was a man after God's own heart, yet public, so public, like just public ecstasy and divine joy. 
But I want to encourage you, and we're going to read a story today about that. I want to encourage you. God wants to help you get over yourself. Because in doing that, he wants to fill you with a joy that when you are pulling yourself together for the sake of others, you'll be beaming with supernatural, divine, glorious love. And you'll be sustained with a supernatural joy. Hallelujah on the inside. Amen. Yes. Hallelujah. I believe that. Good preaching, Catherine. Hallelujah. Fourteen. For if, uh, for it is Christ's love that fuels our passion and motivates us. Why would you not do everything you could to drink really deeply? If Christ's love fuels and motivates our passion, going and having a little sip really doesn't cut it. God wants to so fuel and motivate your passion with His love. That he's looking for you to let go of all the fears and the worries and the concerns about what other people think. You see, you'll notice I'm always up the front worshipping. I, I don't, I rarely ever am walking around the back during worship unless I really have to deal with something. But praise God, I've got a team that mostly can do that for me. But, you know, from the moment we started these meetings, I've been trying I felt the Holy Spirit convict me to really be up front and center and demonstrating what it looks like just to freely worship God, whether it's lying down, kneeling, jumping, dancing, all of which are outside of my typical personality, believe it or not. Because in doing so, the Lord said, you'll give permission to others to do the same. And we've been very deliberate to build a culture that doesn't say everybody has to do that. Now, my husband doesn't jump. He doesn't dance. He doesn't squeal and he doesn't shake. He doesn't really even fall down. But he loves God just as much as me. His personality is different to me. But you see, God is looking for you, however God built you, to feel free to express fully your love for Jesus. Hallelujah in a way that you won't be hindered and in a way that you can fully open up and receive from the Lord. I'm not saying that you have to imitate any one person's form of worship or ways of worship. It would be like trying to imitate someone's personality. But I am saying that perhaps God wants to bring you a little further outside of your comfort zone to let you experience a greater measure of the love of God that will motivate you. Hallelujah magnificent Jesus because we are absolutely convinced that he has given his life for all of us this means all died with him so that those who live should no longer live self-absorbed lives but lives that are poured out for him the one who died for us and now lives again I'm just going to keep reading because it's lovely and then from now on, we have a new perspective that refuses to evaluate people merely by their outward appearances. For that's how we once viewed the anointed one, but no longer do we see him with limited human insight. You know, often when we are looking at other people worshipping, we can stumble. I've done that. And that I start judging. 
I remember in the days when Rodney Howard Brown first came out to Australia, I was just, I went to those meetings and I was like, don't let anyone touch me. I'm not like, come and get hands laid on. No, and no, no, thank you. I don't want what you got. I was, I, I was like, no, I, no, I, no, I, no, I, I definitely don't want to do that. I was so unsure. It just was right outside of my paradigm. Like people running around and waving their arms in the air and like, I'm like, whoa, this is like far out of my comfort zone. And I was judging other people's experiences. I'd see people on the altar and I'd say, oh, you know, they're just, you know, they need a bit more self-control. I'd think it in my head. You know, that grieves God when we do that. Because not only does it mean that your mind is occupied in sin, judging someone else, but you're missing out on what he wants to give you in that moment. Hallelujah. We need to be careful not to judge by external appearances. Now, as a leader, there are times when I feel I, I discern something's not good and not right, and I do deal with that because I value so highly the presence of God that I don't want anyone doing something that's going to in, um, inhibit somebody else's ability to connect with God and possibly get saved. So I, you know, I'm not talking about that, but we need to be careful not to be looking and judging everybody else, but to be recognizing the moment and giving ourselves to him. Hallelujah. Wonderful Jesus. Um, now, if anyone is enfolded into Christ, he's become an entirely new creation. I was happier than you realized. I'll say it again just to give you a worship moment. If anyone is enfolded into Christ... He has become an entirely new creation. <sighs> All that is re uh, related to the old order has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new, and God has made all things new and reconciled us to himself and given us the ministry of reconciling others to God. In other words, it was through the anointed one that God was shepherding the world, not even keeping records of their transgressions, and he has entrusted to us the ministry of opening the door of reconciliation to God. We are ambassadors of the anointed one who carry the message of Christ to the world as though God were tenderly pleading with them directly through our lips. So we tenderly plead with you on Christ's behalf. Turn back to God and be reconciled to him. For God made the only one who did not know sin to become sin for us so that we who did not know righteousness might become the righteousness of God through our union with him. Hallelujah. Just had to read all of that because it's too good not to. Hallelujah. But the story I want to share with you today is from Luke chapter 7. Hallelujah. Luke, I know you love the book of Luke. God bless. Yeah, it's a good book. One of my favorites. All right, Luke chapter 7. Are you happy? If you're not... There is abundance of joy available for you. Hallelujah. He wants to help you. He, he's kind. Our, our God is kind. I want to help you discover how to connect with that peace that passes understanding, despite whatever it is you might be going through. Verse 36. 
Afterward, a Jewish religious leader named Simon asked Jesus to his home for dinner. Jesus accepted the invitation. It's pretty nice. You know, when you ask God to come, he'll come. When he went to Simon's home, he took his place at the table. In the neighborhood, there was an immoral woman of the streets, known to all to be a prostitute. When she heard about Jesus being in Simon's house, she took an exquisite flask made from alabaster, filled it with the most expensive perfume, went right into the home of the Jewish religious leader and knelt at the feet of Jesus in front of all the guests. Broken and weeping, she covered his feet with the tears that fell from her face. She kept crying and drying his feet with her long hair. Over and over, she kissed Jesus' feet. Then she opened her flask and anointed his feet with the costly perfume as an act of worship. When Jesus saw what was happening, he thought, oh, excuse me, when Simon saw what was happening, he thought, this man man can't be a true prophet. If he really were a prophet, he would know what kind of sinful woman is touching him. Judging, you see not understanding what was happening in the act of worship. Jesus said, Simon, I have a word for you. Go ahead, teacher, I want to hear it, he answered. It's a story about two men who were deeply in debt. One owed the bank $100,000 and the other only owed $10,000. When it was obvious that neither of them would be able to repay their debts, the kind banker graciously wrote off the debts and forgave them all that they owed. Tell me, Simon, which of the two debtors would be most thankful? Which one would love the banker most? Simon answered, I suppose it would be the one with the greatest debt forgiven. You're right, Jesus agreed. Then he spoke to Simon about the woman still weeping at his feet. Don't you see this woman kneeling here? She's doing for me what you didn't bother to do. When I entered your home as your guest, you didn't think about offering me water to wash the dust off my feet. Yet she came into your home and washed my feet with her many tears and then dried my feet with her hair. You didn't even welcome me into your home with the customary greeting of a kiss. But from the moment I came in, she's not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't take the time to anoint my head with fragrant oil, but she anointed my head and feet with the finest perfume. She has been forgiven of all her many sins. That is why she has shown me such extravagant love. But those who assume they have very little to be forgiven will love me very little. Then Jesus said to the woman at his feet, All your sins are forgiven. All the dinner guests said among themselves, Who is the one who can forgive sins? Then Jesus said to the woman, Your faith in me has given you life. Now you may leave and walk in the ways of peace. As I was reading this, I mean, there's so much that the Lord wants to to say about worship in this incredible story. But I was really struck when Jesus said this. She has been forgiven of all her many sins, and this is why she has shown me such extravagant love. She didn't bring the perfume and come to his feet weeping pleading for forgiveness, trying to give her way into forgiveness. See how extravagant my love is. See how much perfume I'm giving. Please forgive me. She wasn't pleading. She was worshiping because 
she had been forgiven. And you see, when we come to worship God, we don't come to bring our offering of worship as a means of payment to receive his forgiveness or to receive his mercy. We come as a response of his mercy. The Father is looking for worshipers who worship him in spirit and in truth. He's looking for those who would, who, who would recognize, who would take time to really think about the good things that the Lord has done to the point that it lets their emotions really be hit and causes a response in our hearts that's spontaneous and extravagant. You see, you can have good news. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but you can have good news, hear it, receive it, and not actually let it hit, really hit home straight away. Has anyone ever experienced that? It's like, that's awesome. But unless you actually take time to let it sink in and then let yourself actually enjoy it, you miss out on the fullness of the joy of the news that God wants you to have. In the same way, we've received the most magnificent news. He's come and he's taken away all of my sin. He has done such extravagant things for me. His kindness to me, his mercies in you every morning for me. He makes the stars twinkle, hoping they will catch my eye just because he's in love with me. He does so many kind things for me that I have so regularly only allowed to go to the shallow depths of my consciousness and not allowed them to really go deep and provoke in me a deep, glorious response of thanksgiving and worship. I believe the Holy Spirit, in this divine awakening that we are experiencing, is wanting you to understand and capture and this revelation of abandoned, blissful, extravagant worship, not as some experience of laughter, but as a really gloriously deep letting go of the constraints that would hinder you from fully experiencing and understanding the great love that God has for you. He wants to release his love to you in a way that passes human comprehension. It's a spiritual thing that he wants to do. He wants it to go past your human comprehension, deep into your spirit that causes the well that's within you that's attached to the throne to spring up in glorious worship, meeting with the fountain of his pleasure with you so that you get lost in an ocean of love that is immeasurable and unending. You see, when we get that, when we start to understand that letting go and letting his love really impact us, and, and it begins like this, just taking time to actually appreciate it, to actually really just stop and appreciate it. Because as we do that, instead of it just being in the moment, it, it's, 
It allows us to connect with the kindness of God and receive it as the love gift that it is. To let it touch and deeply make our heartstrings resonate until an eruption of worship comes up. You see, the Father is looking for worshippers who don't just give an obligatory song, but who will worship him in spirit and in truth. That is, freely connecting with God, allowing the Holy Spirit to take his kindness, every good thing that he does, and let it crack through right down deep to connect with the river that's flowing within you, to cause the well to spring up so that you can embrace and receive the love that he has for you, so that you can be set free from fear, so that you can enter into the now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or imagine. The word that Abby brought, uh, brought tonight about beyond what you can imagine. This is what happens when you connect with your fountain, uh, the fountain of your love, the, the glorious well springing up within you reacts with the fountain of his pleasure for you. As you, as you get into this place of living in the ocean of his love, that is the place where the gift of faith is manifested. That's the place where faith for the supernatural lives. That's the place where childlike delight, miracles are manifested. People say, what's the key to miracles? They go, okay, the key is faith. But you see that the key is not found outside of the ocean. And the ocean is his love, which is the height, the depth, the width, the breadth, that there is no end to. And you connect with this by letting thanksgiving crack open the wells, the deep wells. Your deep cries out to his deep. Just let it go and let it connect. Because when you do, you'll come into the place where the love of God constrains you, where you'll walk as the righteousness of God in Christ, where nothing can touch you and whatever you ask, you receive. (sighs) I know what I'm talking about but I want to know a whole lot more. (laughs) You see, it's an uncomfortable truth. It doesn't really fit into our little linear boxes and our Western cultural norms. Mm. It doesn't quite fit in my little music teacher, English teacher box. God loves all of that, but I tell you, he's made me a brand new person. Old things have passed away. I'm no longer a mere human. I am part of him. I am a supernatural being connected as one with Jesus living in his presence. In unity with him. Hallelujah. We are connected together. And in that place. Hallelujah. God is looking for us. To begin to recognize. This is the place. Where now unto him who is able to keep me from falling. 
lives. This is the place where I am able to stand no matter what happens. Hallelujah. God's looking for us to embrace worship in such a way that it overwhelms us and overflows us. You know, it took this woman, this love, this thanksgiving empowered this woman to walk into a household filled with people who were judging her. I don't like being in the presence of people who are judging me. I don't enjoy it. I try to avoid it, to be honest. It's like, it's not a fun thing. I, you know, I like to be with happy people. It's not fun to be with unpleasant people and people who are judging you. And like, if I could avoid it, I'd try to avoid it. But you see, Jesus was in this house. And she was so overcome with thanksgiving for this one who was the friend of sinners who had forgiven her. That she didn't care what they thought. Now, this is not a Bible story. This is a this is, you know, in the in the idea of sometimes we put Bible stories in the idea of little Sunday school stories and we don't let ourselves realize this actually physically happened this woman walked into this house where they're having a really proper lunch and she she got down and she she lifted up his robe and began to kiss his feet she's a pro, she was a prostitute and here she is. She's just, I don't care. I'm going to kiss his feet. There was nothing sexual. There was nothing yucky about it. But you can imagine what they were all thinking. To the pure, all things are pure. And when God makes us clean, he's looking for us to not care about what other people are thinking, but to say, if it means me going up the front to worship, to kiss his feet, to, to love him, I'm going to do whatever it takes to touch him. It's like the woman with the issue of blood. She was like, I don't care. I'm going to touch him because if I connect with him, I know I'm going to be healed. In the same way, she's like, there's the one I love. I'm going to press through. I don't care what they think. I'm going to lay my love on him. I'm going to touch him. I'm a physical touch person. So I, the idea of actually touching Jesus' feet is very exciting to me. <sighs> because I could express love. God, you love, I love you. And this is what she was able to do. And Jesus was not embarrassed. He didn't go, like, really, you know, this is not the place. <laughs> Honey, I appreciate the sentiment, but this is a bit uncomfortable. He was so at ease, so full of peace. You see, God is looking for you to let yourself begin to be who you now are. You are no longer the person that's constrained by fear of man. It's no longer who you are. You, it's, not a, it's not a thing. You don't have. When you are born again, it's no longer part of your makeup to be bound by the fear of man. The enemy wants to try to tell you that. 
The truth is you are now dead to the old. You've become new and your new person has a deep well, crying, yearning, weeping, longing to connect with Jesus, with the Father, and he's, he's longing to help you to do it. The Spirit of Jesus is helping you, provoking you, saying, why don't you kneel? Why don't you come? Why don't you sing? Why don't you just pull aside and spend some time with me? As, as we obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit, the Lord wants to release a revelation of his goodness and his kindness. I'll finish with this. But there's so much in it. It's so beautiful. She's been forgiven of her many sins. This is why she has shown such extravagant love. And then he says at the end, he says to the woman, your faith in me has given you life. You know, we've got to approach worship with faith. Faith in the fact that he's forgiven our sins. She was giving this extravagant worship because she had faith to believe that her sins were forgiven. Hallelujah. When we approach God, are you approaching him with the idea of, oh God, oh, I'm still concerned about that. You know, we, you know we, we dealt with that fear before. We dealt with that temptation before. And, you know, oh God, you know, we're still thinking about that. And he's, he's there going... Come here, I want to give you something. I I want to embrace you. I want to give you some fresh revelation. I want to pour my love into you. And we are limiting our capacity to receive from him in worship when we don't fully approach him in faith, believing that our sins are forgiven. You see, even living in a church and a culture where we preach the righteousness of God, hallelujah, the message of the gospel and freedom, the enemy will still work hard to try to limit your interaction of freely embracing God by condemnation that would come and try to steal your faith in the fact that you've been forgiven. He wants to let the remnants of guilt and fear and shame and worry and concern and analyzing what's wrong with me, why was I thinking that, or how am I, oh, maybe I need to do this. He is not there. The moment you've rebuked the devil, you've taken the sword of the spirit, you've said, sorry, God, if you've done something. Half the time I'm worrying about stuff that I haven't even done. It's just because, you know, a fear came my way. And even if it hasn't been, you know, engaged with, I'm apologizing for the fact that the devil came. So it's stupid. That's, that's not... But then to allow the worry of that, the fear of that, the thought of that to fill my mind when God is wanting to fill my mind with prophetic visions and hope and faith for the future. Hallelujah is a trap. And I believe the Holy Spirit wants to set you free from the lies that would try to keep you from fully engaging in this picture of the well springing up within you and the fountain connecting with your deep hallelujah so that you can live continually in a place of supernatural joy and peace and worship amen well father i thank you for your word you're a lover and lord you are you are the very definition of love lord teach us how to love you Teach us how to love you. Help us. Help us to fully express and enjoy 
your love for us, God, that we might love one another purely and deeply. Lord, we're asking Holy Spirit, shed the love of Christ abroad in our hearts. Father, cause us to see and to know by your spirit revelation of who you are that we could take time to let it impact our souls and provoke us to worship. Father, I'm asking that you would cause your spirit to help us to recognize your kindness and your goodness and all the things that you do so that we can enjoy that opportunity of thanksgiving to allow us to be brought into a new place of worship. Teach us about letting Thanksgiving go deep, letting Thanksgiving go deeper than just our thought realm. But Lord, let it impact our hearts and provoke a glorious swell of your worship from the well that you've placed within us. Holy Spirit, wake us up that we would not spend time on what you are not thinking about. Father, I thank you for supernatural help. You are God. You are glorious. Our minds belong to you. And Father, I ask for those that have been struggling with fears and worries and anxieties, I thank you that you say they weren't made to think about such things. They weren't created to think about such things. They weren't created to worry. They weren't created to be concerned with those things. But they were created to think about miracles. They were created to think about love. They were created to think about your goodness. They were created to think creative thoughts from heaven. Holy Spirit, help. Thank you, Lord, for revelation light. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And we're going to pray for people in just a few minutes. I believe the Holy Spirit is here and he wants to manifest his love and his kindness and miracles and signs and wonders. But before we do that, I want to ask you tonight, if you're here and you know in your heart you don't have a relationship with God where you have found him as the one who is real. If you know in your heart you haven't been following Jesus, but you want to, and you want to respond to his mercy, receive his forgiveness, let it impact your heart and make you a new creation. And I want to pray for you tonight. The Bible talks about it as being born again, where we bring him our old life and we believe, we acknowledge that Jesus is the son of God, that he died and rose again. And we say, God, I thank you that you offer me forgiveness and freedom from myself, freedom from my past. We bring him our lives so that in him we are crucified with him and we receive the gift of mercy, the gift of forgiveness that's just freely given without works, without payment. We receive the gift of life, the gift of eternal life, the gift of forgiveness, and we brought into relationship with God. It all happens by your free will, your choice to say, yes, Lord, I want to respond to the mercy of God. If that's you today, would you wave your hand at me? I'd love to pray for you. Is there anyone here that says, yes, that's me? Yeah, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Is there anybody else that says, yes, that's me? Let me see your hand. I'd love to pray with you. Anybody else that says, yeah, I want that. Yes, I see you. It's so beautiful. 
But I tell you what, your father is so much more excited about it than I could ever be. Because he loves you and knows you better than anyone else ever could. Hallelujah. Is there anybody else that says, yes, that's me? I want to be, I want to be born again. I want to receive this mercy. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want to pray for those people. If you'd like to come, we've got time. I'd like you to come. I just want to lay hands on you. <laughs> and I want to pray for you. Would you come? Just come. Let me pray for you right now. If you would, come on. Just come. Come on. Yeah, come, come. Others of you, feel free to come. We're just going to pray. It's beautiful. Hallelujah. Come on. Hey. It's beautiful. Is anyone else you want to come? You can come. Hallelujah. We're just gonna. You don't have to face them. We'll, we'll just look here. We'll have our own little private moment. Is there anybody else that wants to come and get in on this? I just want to pray for you. Come on. Don't miss out because uh, you know the the lovely thing is that God says that when you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father. It's beautiful. It's like getting married. You do it publicly. You do it publicly. You say, God, I'm giving my life to you. And that's what you're doing. Oh, it's so beautiful. Does anybody else want to come? Let this be your opportunity. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Would you just pray this after me? Father God, I bring you my life. I give you all of my sin, everything I've ever done, and I lay it at the foot of your cross. Have mercy on me. I receive your life, your forgiveness, your spirit. Thank you, Father, that you have forgiven me and that you receive me as your child, forgiven, clean, holy, new, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Father, we say thank you. We say thank you, Lord. We ask your blessing on these ones. Holy Spirit, I thank you. Their deep is crying out to your deep. Papa, I'm just asking, Meg, would you come and pray with me? I'm just asking, Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would cause the well of worship just to flow up out of their hearts. Lord, that they would know the deep love that you've got for them, that you would fill them to overflowing, Lord, with your mercy and with your love. Father, I thank you that this one you care so much about her, Father. Father, I thank you that you deal tenderly with her and that you love her, that you speak kindly to her. Father, I thank you for her tender heart for you. Lord, I bless her in the name of Jesus. I bless this tender one. <laughs> Fill her with your joy, the joy of your salvation in the name of Jesus. Everybody said, Amen.